gentlemen, Greg Proof. Hooray, hurrah! And the smartest man in the world, Proof Cast, takes to the ether. Here from the Mile High City, where we are high, a mile above the earth, Dombier, Colorado, the most salubrious comedy club to be found down here in Larimer Square. The comedy works right underneath the Rapaho and 16th, or wherever the hell we are. Uh, it's exciting to once again be here, of course, in uh, Colorado. As you know, Colorado, one of the uh, most progressive states in the country, in so much as they leapt forward into the new millennium, leaving the other states in this area panting behind them in the dust with their petty bourgeois mores tied about their neck like an albatross. <laughs> Uh, this is finally a club I can come to and smoke a joint in front of the manager before the show and they go, hey, how's it going? <laughs> they have the legal marijuana here in uh, Denver, Colorado, and I know that... Uh... <laughs> but Greg, really, does that in and of itself make a place superior to another place? Yes. <laughs> yes, for so many goddamn reasons. <laughs> You can go to any state in this country, in the Rocky Mountain area, or even in the nearby Midwestern area, if you go further south into the Rust Belt, Bible Belt area, and then down into the southwest, and, I mean the southwest and the southeast, uh, and buy guns anywhere you fucking like, and go to all the strip joints you like, and go to all the churches you want, and visit little places that say live bait that has a giant uh, trailer out in front that sign says live bait on it, with an arrow that the bulbs have been out for 25 years, <laughs> and they blink, blink dead, dead, blink, 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 dead, dead. And two of the letters have fallen off, so it doesn't say live bait, it says I've bit. So it's blink, blink, I've bit, blink, blink, I've bit, blink, blink, I've bit. You can do that fucking anywhere in the United States. But you can't walk in to a place, an establishment in Alabama or Oklahoma or Florida and buy weed over the counter like a grown-up adult tax-paying citizen. We pay taxes, uh, we live in this country, we abide by the laws, and before marijuana was legal, we skirted around some of the laws. Uh, but I do think uh, it is a prerogative, and I think that Colorado has led the way uh, more than one way. Obviously, Washington and Oregon are coming along, and then we'll see about California and perhaps New Hampshire in the next couple of years. I foresee uh, in the next five to ten years, as I'm sure you do, uh, that the dominoes will tumble. And uh, when they saw what a money spinner it was here, after the first week in Colorado, what was the first week's profits? Like 20 million or something? Um, that's just undeniable. There's nothing any state can do that can generate that kind of income. They can't have a muffin sale. Uh, and no one uh, is barfing up that kind of money uh, for recreational stuff. And that's what it is. Let's call it what it is. Before, when you had to have a card here, like we do in California, it is medical. Uh, and you go to dispensaries. Now it is recreational. Um, how is that cool, Greg? What about young people? You know what? Young people are hipper than you fucking think they are. First of all, they know what they're doing. Second of all, they don't smoke dump as much as older fucking people like me. Or dope, if you want to call it that. I left the E off that one. And why? If cigarettes and alcohol are legal, why shouldn't marijuana be legal? Let's be very fucking honest about that. Alcohol and cigarettes do a great deal more damage than marijuana could ever fucking dream of doing. Uh, yes, yeah, someone else want to amen. Can I get a fucking witness? Um... <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it the whole show, but I wanted to start off with it because I think it's an imperative in this country uh, in a lot of different ways. Because one thing leads to another. And I don't mean that everyone who smokes dope is cool. That's, that's a, a tried and true... Yeah, exactly. Or, or that everyone who smokes dope is nonviolent. I think uh, gangsters and uh, uh, bikers and rastas have proven that you can get high as fuck and shoot the shit out of a town. 
Uh, but I will say that it doesn't do anything to diminish a, a town. In fact, it increases tourism and increases revenue. It makes it a destination. And way more, may I add, than a casino does. You can't imagine how many towns I've been to in this great country and uh, adjoining great countries like Canada um, or even Australia and whatnot, where you go and all of a sudden there's a big casino and everyone's losing their money all the time. In my opinion, uh, gambling, do what you like. I'm not a moralistic person in, as far as sin goes. I say, as long as you're not spilling some sort of bodily fluid on my food. Um, <laughs> do whatever you want. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't really want to stop on that visual there, but I did. Uh, but uh, uh, alcohol is uh, way more of a danger to teenagers than marijuana is. And uh, I just feel like it, it, gambling is not something that you get anything out of, unless you're a degenerate compulsive gambler, uh, like so many people I know are. And uh, they just want to gamble for the thrill of it. Because there's really, the winning and losing doesn't mean anything to a, a real gambler. Uh, any more than getting drunk means anything to an alcoholic. You're only doing it because you fucking have to. Uh, the rest of you can go into a casino, I'm sure, and have a good time, lose 50 bucks or whatever. Or more realistically, get drunk, lose 400 bucks, and then cry. <laughs> and then drive home the whole way going, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> right? That's what gambling is. You might as well take your money and just throw it out of the back of the fucking truck on the way to the <laughs> casino because you're about that. If you think that machinery that's programmed to beat you has your fucking best interest in mind, <laughs> that you can put money into a machine and press a button and pull a handle and it is going to somehow relate to you, um, you're looking mathematics in the eye. And you must never look mathematics in the eye because mathematics will come back and bite you in the ass. Zero one, zero one, zero one, zero one, one one, zero one, zero one, one one, one zero, 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 one, 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 one. I could flip a coin up here all fucking night long and ask you guys to call heads or tails. And the odds are exactly the same every time I toss it, whether it's gonna come up heads or tails. It doesn't, if it comes up tails 52 times in a row, that doesn't mean fuck it's coming up tails again, man. This is crazy. No, no, that's metaphysics. That's not gambling. If you can make a coin land the same way every time, please come with me because we got some bars I want to hit. <laughs> then why do you bring it up, Greg? Because essentially it's this. Uh, America needs a big spanking and America needs to get off its fucking uh, Puritan misery high horse. And because the election's coming up in 18 months' time and because we have that hideous fucking charade of a midterm uh, where all the sharing, caring people stayed home and we let all the fascists fucking vote and we've got this same insane crew in Congress who believes in Jesus and other fictional characters have a fucking say in your life. Um, <laughs> And that laws have to be enacted against women and that laws have to be enacted against gay people and that laws have to be enacted against health care. That is what they believe. And it's a terrible state of affairs. And I think that uh, the people listening in those states within the sound of my voice, the young children listening in their blanket fort right now wondering what it'll be like when they finally get high one day. You're shining a beacon for them, and you're shining a beacon for everyone around the country because if Colorado and Washington and Oregon can do it, baby, everyone can fucking do it. Um, it's just a matter of opening up your mind and uh, letting some other precepts in. Um, when people talk about, and when I say people, I mean politicians. When I say politicians, I mean ugly fucking white guys. And when I say <laughs> ugly fucking white guys, I mean Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, and Rand Paul. <laughs> 
When they talk about returning to values and stuff like that, that means turning the clock back. That's what that means. There is no return to values. You know what the values were in this country 50 years ago? Uh, segregation is what a value was, which was legal. If anyone ever says, you will don't be legal, slavery was legal. The Holocaust was legal. Under the name of legality, every manner of ill has been visited upon fucking mankind. Uh, there is no returning to the past. Only the future has anything for us. And that's where we have to live, looking forward all the time. The idea that you're going to turn us into some sort of God-fearing, Jesus-fucking-Bible-thumping, weirdo-fucking-no-healthcare-billionaire-ruled oligarchy-fucking-plutocracy that's run by some sort of combination of wealthy and fucking theocrats. Fuck that shit. Um, every... Every woman in this room and every little girl within the sound of my voice has the opportunity to fucking hold national office in this country. That was not possible 50 years ago. We may have a woman president. We've had women secretary of state. The next president is going to appoint Supreme Court justices. It's very likely they might appoint a couple more women to the Supreme Court, which absolutely, that is what progress is. Going back to values doesn't mean anything except to the people who are afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. And what I'm afraid of is that theocrats and plutocrats will take, care of, uh, take uh, control of everything and we won't have a say. Perpetual war and living in fear of terror is not civilization. It is a, a, a malformation of people's ideas, goals, and desires. We all have the right to have three scores a day, be able to buy dope if we want to, and live our lives uh, as we fucking see fit, no matter what gender or bias or sexual orientation or whatever fucking bizarre belief system you subscribe to, (laughs) even if it's Christianity, and good for you. (laughs) I don't mean to bang on Christianity. It's just that these elections get very Jesus-oriented. It's like, I got more Jesus than you do. No, I got more Jesus than you do. And it's like, Jesus doesn't fucking care who's president. God, ha- God so doesn't. Let me just hit you to something. The ultimate being of the universe that controls all of our destinies, that hung the firmament of the stars, cares not at all who the leader of the United States is. She's busy voting for Hillary. That's what's going on. Uh, this is my wife sent me this. Jennifer sent me this from the Denver Police Department. This is from April 19th. The Denver Police Department tweets, and they use little musical notes on their tweets here. That's why it's different from the Ferguson PD and some other police departments. The police aren't off the hook, baby. Uh, Denver Police Department at Denver Police. That's hilarious. Their, their Twitter handle is at Denver Police. <laughs> this is from April 19th. As you know, 420 is a very significant day for stoners for no reason that I can determine whatsoever. <laughs> There's the mythical creation, you know, myth about the kids in Point Reyes and they would go out and say do a 420 and that the Maroon Police called busting people for Pop 420 and then it's Hitler's birthday somehow too, which makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever. If there's someone that should have smoked a bong hit right before they invaded Stalingrad. (laughs) Ach du Liebe, what am I thinking? It didn't work for Napoleon, it's not going to work for me. Let's call the whole thing off. Dear Poland, I'm so sorry about what I did. Anyway, 420 is somehow significant uh, to marijuana smokers. Uh, And this is what the Denver police wrote on 419. We see you rolling, but we ain't hating. (laughs) 
Evidently, the Denver police are wearing their hats sideways now. And their sunglasses on the back of their heads. It's so important to know that a PD ain't hating. Seriously, though. Yeah, you bowled me over with your humor, 5 Thank God you wrote seriously, though, so I could recover during this tweet. I, I was still dabbing the tears of joy from my eyes over, we see you rolling, but we ain't hating. Hey, did Yeezy come in and punch this up for you? Hashtag Denver. Please remember to hashtag consume responsibly this 420 weekend. Well, I just checked into my hotel today, and I goes, uh, how'd it go last weekend? And they went, it was panda fucking monium. Uh, so I presume people did consume responsibly in the most pandemic way you possibly could. Uh, I have, was given a map at my hotel today. I said, uh, 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 they go, do you want the fun map? And I knew what that meant. Because even though marijuana is completely legal here, and I know you're not supposed to smoke it and like blow it in a baby's face or whatever. I'm, I'm sure there's rules. Now, say the baby was dressed as a cat. And you were so high you couldn't tell the difference. I could probably argue that in a court of law. Uh, no. I, so she said the fun map. And that doesn't mean bars either. It means... Uh, and this is what it says on the front. And there's a, a, what can only be described as a 70s softcore logo here. You can verify that. Thank you very much. Just... Mary Wanna Map. Spelled Mary, M-A-R-Y. Like, as in, Mary, Mary, why you bugging? Mary, Mary, I need you hugging. Uh, based on the monkeys. For adults, and, and I think they give it the softcore logo because it says, for adults only. <laughs> 21 and older. <laughs> but I'm 18 with a legal guardian. Uh, 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 uh. Marijuana. <laughs> You've got to be of legal drinking age for no reason that we could determine. Mind you, if you have a job from, what, 15, 16 on, you're paying taxes. And you can serve in the armed forces from, what, 17 on? And uh, face imminent death and dismemberment. And that's by our own army and armed forces. Uh, and the danger therein of going through training and, and just being in, the, in those areas, much less an enemy firing on you. And yet, somehow, you can't drink or smoke marijuana. If I were president, and thank God I'm not... Uh, <laughs> Because I don't think the first meeting of the day should be like, Jesus Christ, you guys, I'm fucked. I need a Big Mac and a beer. <laughs> Mr. President, there's an action item on your desk. Action smaction. Let's... Excuse me while I go to the Oval Vape Room for a moment. <laughs> Vladimir Putin's on the line. You tell him, word. <laughs> he may be Putin, but I gotta be scooting, and I ain't hating. If I were president, the first thing I'd do would be lower the drinking age and the marijuana age to 18. There's no reason you, when you reach your majority at 18 that you oughtn't be considered an adult every which way. If you can get married and have sex and serve in the armed forces, why can't you have a fucking beer? Yeah. Recreational dispensaries locations map. That's a, this is what's different than your town. 
I'm talking to you, Bismarck. I'm talking to you, Omaha. I'm talking to you, Reno. I'm talking to you, Dothan, Alabama. Your town, when I check into the hotel, does not give me an adults-only marijuana map that says recreational dispensary location map. They've made it very simple, which I find highly humorous. The world's giantest fucking symbols for each uh, dispensary with what appears to be a fake red pushpin stuck into the map. Like we're in Churchill's war room during World War II. It, it appears that the 7th Panzer Division is crossing Aurora right now. This is so stoners can find shit. And by the way, it makes it more confusing because I, the first day I looked at it and I went, what corner's that on? Is it in the middle of the block? Uh, here's some of the names of the places. Live Green, Bud Cellar, in parentheses, Rocky Mountain High. True Cannabis, spelled T-R-U. Because, you know, uh, like I left the E off dope before, sometimes it's just true, not true. <laughs> Me- medicine Man. Uh, the Green Solution. Fuck yeah. There's a lot of those. Uh, tetra- and then for, for you, uh, 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 you know, Greek Luther Burbank horticulturist types, Tetra Hydro Center. We decided to take the sex and fun out of marijuana. If I go to a hydro center, I don't have to have a hose inserted in me, do I? And I never mastered Tetris. Uh, There's nothing near the zoo and there's nothing near the University of Colorado, but there's one called Sunnyside Dispensary, and then there's one, it says two ski areas, and there's a little bubble with someone skiing in it, and then on the way to the ski area is another Green Solution. Green Solution got it going on, huh? Watch out for them and shit. Uh, And then there's Denver Dispensary locations. See downtown map for addresses in blue. I thought I was looking at the downtown map. There's no addresses on this. There's just little uh, ellipses with writing in them. Uh, This one says, uh, dank, keeping kind. And then, oh, I see. Then it gives you the coordinates. Uh, 3835 Elm Street, H5. (laughs) It's on uh, Elm. It's near the Park Hill Golf Club. So if, you, if you're going to the Park Hill Golf Club, uh, say you're white, say the afternoons come around, and uh, it's time to do some golf. You might want to go over to the dank there. Wow, it is easier than I thought. And then this one says, Sticky Buds, trust us, you'll feel better. <laughs> but this is my favorite part. Colorado's best dispensary, exclamation point. Well, who voted on that? How long has it been legal? A year? No one can fucking remember? Fantastic. MMJ America. Forget the rest, choose the best. So, with all this marijuana smoking, no one has come up with anything more creative than it's been used for every fucking wings place in the world. (laughs) Really? Forget the rest? You know, when you're selling marijuana, I wouldn't use forget anything as my slogan. (laughs) 
forget to pick up your children. For, forget to turn the heat off under the macaroni. But remember to choose the best. And then my favorite, cannabis cup certified. Fuck, when they run around with no certificate, I am leery of that. The slogans are hilariously the same as they were for any old bar. Colorado's best marijuana experience. Mm, I, I don't know. I think taking a ride up into the mountains and burning one and watching a goat clamber down the hill might be the best experience. <laughs> Colorado's herbal alternatives. They don't have a slogan. Medical cannabis mastered. Flowers, clones, concentrates, edibles, drinks, lotions, pipes, vaporizers, and everything in between. Eee! <laughs> And then at the bottom it says, Home of the Dab Stash. <laughs> Do you know the Dab Stash has been wandering without a place to make its own? No domicile, no abode. Just think of the Dab Stash wandering up and down the streets. Can someone help me? All I need is a superheated plate that's very dangerous to operate. come to us. You may live here with us. You are, it is the home of the dab stash. Dabs are strong. And I'm an experienced pothead. We're going to start the show, but not now. I have, I've received so many gifts. People have been so nice to me. And yes, I'll take pictures with you after, but you have to give me a minute after the show. But then I'll meet you out in the lobby area out there or whatever. If they let, us, if they let you go back that way, they might not. They may just run you out of here. Uh, someone gave me this one here. It's called B. Vixens from Mars. Who gave me this? Randy. Randy. Thank you, Randy. Uh, it's a comic book. Uh, I received one, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago in Boston that was, uh, Are You Woman Enough for Bitch Comics? <laughs> and this one's B. Vixens from Mars, and on the bottom it says, Sleazeball Tested, Pervert Approved. <laughs> Somebody says... Okay. Sup, Garcia. Some kid or what's left of them. And watch out, there are all these bees. Ah! The fuck are the bees doing flying around in the middle of the night? Beats the hell out of me. Ugh, <laughs> ah, what happened to his head? That ain't the only thing that's missing. Let's see, let's get to a sex part here. I like violence, but I like sex better. Oh, there's some bees. Hey, Betty, you two, you two look nice. Going somewhere special? We're just back from the church picnic. Arlene made honey candy for everyone. I'd offer you some, but it's all gone. Uh, thanks. Uh, Marlene, you around later? There's something i got to tell you. Comic books move slowly. <laughs> oh, then they all turn it... Oh, I don't want to spoil... Spoiler alert. Turns out Arlene and her friend are fucking giant bee people. <laughs> Thank you for that, Randy. I'll be reading that later in my room with great interest. <laughs> And the, oh, there's another comic book on the other side. Bee Vixens from Mars, part two. They hunger for the flesh of men. <laughs> As do we all, really. Uh, let's see what else we got here. A uh, very nice young lady gave me this. What was your name, darling? Remember this box? Hi, Paula. Thank you for this. Oh, I see what's in there. Well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> File that under awesome. Uh, young lady, you gave me the cookies. What was your name? Amy. Amy, thank you. They're not cookies. 
what are they? Paintings. They're what? Paintings. Paintings? Yes. Oh, well, let's have a look. Yeah. And it says, I'm ready for Hillary. I love it. Yeah. I'm ready for anyone who's not a man. <laughs> but Greg, there's been 44 men in a row. Why not let the magic continue? Because as Led Zeppelin said, now's the time, the time is now. I've had it. I don't want another man. I don't care. I know there's people, you choose what you like, do what you like. I never tell you what to do. And, and as I always say, suspect everything everyone tells you all the time, including me, because I have a giant agenda. <laughs> We've had enough men be president. It's way too fucking late in the game. When Chile and Brazil and Pakistan and India... Uh, all fucking in Ireland and New Zealand and Canada all beat you to the fucking punch you've got to fucking checkity check your shit Amy gave me a beautiful painting that says wild boars thank you very much fuck you I was born in a cane field thank you so much what a beautiful night that was and there's a small, what appears to be a munchak, is it? Thank you. An ephemeral, an ephemeral uh, 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 emotional support munchak. We'll put that right there. And then this one says, oh, it's Chupat, Carl Lagerfeld. Thank you. That's so nice. Look, kittens, another cat. Fuck you, you pussy. Hey. Be nice to people and shit. It's not a person. It's a two-dimensional rendering of a cat. So are you. Yeah, well, even a two-dimensional rendering of a cat knows that this show hasn't got off the fucking ground yet. This is the most self-indulgent, self-referential, dope marijuana, you pot-soaked fucking hippie. Have you no new ideas in your head? Kittens, I didn't expect this from you. I thought when you get to Colorado, you'd mellow down a little bit. I would, but there's no fucking oxygen. And then people burn wood on top of it, so there's really no oxygen. Settle. Thank you for that, Amy. Those were absolutely stunning, and I appreciate it. Uh, a young man gave me this, and he gave me the receipt in case I didn't want it. <laughs> What's your name again, sir, who gave me the Theodore Roosevelt book? Uh, Ken. Kenneth. Ke- Kenneth. Thank you, Kenneth. By Candace Millard, best-selling author of Destiny of the Republic, The River of Doubt, Theodore Roosevelt's Darkest Journey. Is this when he went up the Orinoco or whatever? Amazon, a tributary. Okay, forgive me. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Someone say stop. Oh, let's see here. Uh, since witnessing their heroic struggle to bring the expedition's dugout canoes through the rapids, Roosevelt had developed a deep admiration for his team of camaradas. Looking at the way the work was done, and the goodwill, the endurance, and the bull-like strength of the camaradas, and the intelligence and unwearied efforts of the commanders, he wrote... One could not but wonder at the ignorance of those who do not realize the energy and power that are so often possessed by, and that may be so readily developed in, the men of the tropics. <laughs> wow, the men of the tropics. Did, the- did Theodore Roosevelt hunger for the flesh of those men? <laughs> I didn't realize they were so close with his camaradas down there. TR's an interesting president. Uh, uh, what was it uh, Alice Roosevelt said about him? He wanted to be the baby at every christening and the bride at every wedding. Like, he would... <laughs> Yeah, he was an attention hog of the highest order. Uh, he also ran as an independent after he was president and, and, and was kind of forced to accept women. And he, he took on suffrage and uh, he wanted some civil rights and everything. Uh, this is right before World War I, you understand. Uh, he lost that election. And, of course, he's uh, uh, Franklin's 
cousin, is it? They're all cousins, I believe. And Eleanor's as well. Thank you very much for that book. I will read that. And I won't return it to Barnes & Noble. Uh, who gave me the Isaac Asimov book? Benjamin. Thank you, Benjamin. Uh, oh, my God, it's a library book. Did you steal this? <laughs> You're going to make your way in this world. <laughs> it's from the Union Hills Drive Phoenix Library in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, this is the uh, checkout card here. No one has ever checked this book out. <laughs> Shh. Uh, it's called Words from the Myths by Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov is uh, probably one of the greatest um, uh, sci-fi writers of all time. Let's just read a little of his bio here from this uh, fabulous book that was published in, let's see here, 19 North Canyon High School Media Center. Are you from Phoenix? Are you from Phoenix, Benjamin? Amazon. You're from Amazon. <laughs> Are you familiar with Theodore Roosevelt? Because he took a trip down a tributary of the Amazon, not, not the Orinoco, to the best of my knowledge. You're not a camaraderie, are you? Oh, I see. You bought it on the, on the thing called Amazon. Uh, you bought it on Amazon, but evidently Amazon stole it from the fucking library. I knew I didn't trust that Jeff Bezo. Isaac Asimov obtained his PhD in 1948 at Columbia in chemistry and teaches biochemistry at Boston, New uh, School of Medicine. Um, he writes on mathematics as easily as chemistry and writes novels as easily as either. It doesn't, gosh, it doesn't even talk about his science fiction. Well, he wrote iRobot and he wrote The Rules for Robots and he wrote Foundation, uh, that whole amazing uh, series of, uh, of novels. Um, and this is a, a, evidently tying human beings to myths and the words that we use because of them. Words of science, uh, blah, blah, blah. The ancient legends have always been an integral part of our culture, but even those who are familiar with Greek mythology will be surprised to see how Professor Asimov's approach adds fresh meaning and depth both to the stories and the words that we have inherited from them. Now, mind you, he's a contemporary of uh, all the great sci-fi writers of the 50s that started around almost, whoa, almost around the same time. Uh, uh, there was, uh, 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 of course, Ray Bradbury, uh, Philip Jose Farmer, uh, I, I'm um, Andre, Th Andre, I'm thinking of her last name. I want to say Andre Thornton, but he played for the Expos. <laughs> it's so terrible. Uh, in any case, uh, then the younger guys like uh, Harlan Ellison and shit like that. Uh, Isaac Asimov's well worth reading. He's marked a page here. Let's go to the page that Benjamin's marked since he's from the Amazon. <laughs> Uh, the first month of the year is a time for beginning a new year and ending the old. We still celebrate it as a time for looking sentimentally to the past and hopefully to the future. So it is named for Janus and called January. And of course, a man who is in charge of the doors of a building and all other parts of it is as well a janitor. Therefore, the god who presided over beginnings, entrance through a door, and endings exit by a door, he was usually pictured with two faces, one looking forward and one backward. Now, you don't hear it bandied around much anymore, but once upon a time, you heard the expression, that guy's Janus faced, which meant he was two-faced uh, and was going and both coming and going. I had no idea that the word janitor was derived from the word uh, January or from the god Janus. The names of the remaining months are not mythical in origin. The Romans had any number of minor mythical characters, each governing some single part of life. They had a goddess who was in charge of a baby's first step. 
and another in charge of its first tooth, and so on. They had special gods or spirits in charge of a particular place, and even of each particular person. The Romans called this personal spirit a genius, right? Genii. Uh, so I'm more for that. I don't want to return to the Roman Empire in any way, even though we're living in it right now. Um, <clears throat> Constant war with foreign barbarians that don't share our points of view. Uh, unbelievable rich people. A, a completely indolent Senate that's bought and sold by fucking vested interests. The only way to win an election is to spend billions of dollars and promise people everything and then lie to them. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between ancient Rome and now. But the thing that I find more refreshing or more invigorating about this is, wouldn't it be nice to have a god for every single moment instead of one overarching dude with a beard? I don't, I don't understand how that works. I thought the Mayans had it right, right? The Mayans and the Aztecs had, what, 30, 40, 50, 80,000 gods? A god for everything. A god of this. A god of the bag. A god of kittens. A god for water. A god for drinking. A god for putting a book over here. Why shouldn't there be... Why shouldn't there be spirituality? And why shouldn't every moment have ritual and be imbued with value? That's what life is. The ticking off of fucking clocks of working for people as a wage slave is not what fucking life is about. The valuing of being with other people and being in the garden that other people are and the value of every moment that we get to spend together, that's what fucking life is about. And I don't get that. People, when I was little and I had to go to Sunday school, I went because they bought me a suit. And... It had a clip-on tie, because I couldn't tie my own tie when I was six or whatever. And I used to pretend I was James Bond after the church. And it was a cute little church in Mountain View, California. And a guy got up one day and he went, I was run over by a steamroller. But the power of the Lord saved me and shit. And I was like six and I was like, then how come your head's not all squashed? Like, I looked around, and everybody was buying it, you know? Everybody was nodding solemnly. Mm. And I, was like, I was like, when Yosemite Sam gets run over by a steamroller, he's all flat for a really long time, and then in the next scene, he's, he's okay again. Maybe that's how it works. Maybe everything's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Then we had to go to Sunday school, and that's where I learned about the plague of frogs and the plague of hail and fire. And I remember going to see the Ten Commandments with my dad, and uh, Moses throws uh, his staff down in front of Pharaoh, which is geniusly played by Yul Brenner. The, the Ten Commandments is a hoary old piece of hornswoggle, but... Yul Brenner as the fucking Pharaoh is the whole show. He doesn't have his shirt on through the whole movie, and he's wearing wild headdresses and shit. And then later in the movie, when the Jews are getting the best of him, he sulks a lot. Anne Bancroft plays Moses' uh, Anne Bancroft. Uh, uh, the one from All About Eve, who played the Baxter. Anne Baxter, plays Moses' sort of girlfriend in it. They play fast and loose with the fucking Bible on this one. And she has the line, and Yul Brenner has the line, and it goes like this Oh, Moses, Moses, Moses. All right, screenwriters, back to your hutch and cogitate. Nowhere in the Bible is there a verse that goes, oh, Moses, Moses, Moses. I mean, I don't read the Old Testament every day, but I've read enough to know that line's not fucking in there. 
Cecil B. DeMille made the silent version, and then he made the sound version 30 years later and evidently didn't bother with a script or whatever. Just like, <laughs> let's just shoot it again. Fuck it. Edward G. Robinson, the great gangster star, plays one of the dissenting Jews when Charlton Heston leads them into the wilderness, right, to escape their oppressive Egyptian overlords. And by the way, the pyramids weren't built by Jews that were slaves. They were built by paid workers who received beer and all kinds of doling. And it was a lifetime project. They worked on it for generation after generation. They've excavated all the camps around some of the major pyramids. Are you saying that the Bible is full of hearsay? Um... (laughs) I'm saying the Bible is as fun as Grimm's fairy tales or anything, man. I mean, if you really want to freak out, read the Epic of Gilgamesh, but there we are. Um, any case, Edward G. Robinson plays one of the Jews. So they're going to make, they get out in the desert and Moses goes off to find the Ten Commandments, right? And he climbs up a mountain and they're actually, if you haven't seen this movie, it's really good. He goes up to the mountain and God speaks to him in a, in a male white stentorian voice. He goes... Moses, like that. And Charlton Heston goes, Is it you, Lord, my Lord, my God? Thou shalt not kill. And a giant green laser goes, Wham! And burns it into the rock. And then whatever the other ones are, Thou shalt be fat and judgmental. Thou shalt carry a gun because thine penis is so small. Thou shalt wave a confederate flag for thou hast no feelings for other people. Thou shalt picket abortion clinics for you are misguided. Whatever the commandments are, I can't remember. Some of them are good. Thou shalt not kill, that's a goodie. Not, not, not covet thy neighbor's wife, that's a goodie. Honor thy mother and father, conditional. <laughs> I don't give a shit if God shot a, gray la- a green laser beam into a rock to write that one. If your mother and father are horrible to you, uh-uh. You know what I mean? And what if you're an, uh, uh, adopted, which as so many people I know are, then what does it matter who your mother and father are? As I've said on the show a million times, your friends are your family. Your family's who you want your family to be. Uh, you mustn't let your family oppress you and destroy you or, or undermine your confidence or anything like that. Not that they all do. I'm just saying, after two days at home with your parents, you're like, look, uh, I got to go back to Colorado. <laughs> Oh, there you are. You tried to make me go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I get back... So Edward G. Robinson, while Moses is gone, decides to throw an orgy. But it's a 50s movie orgy, so there's no sex. There's just people dancing wildly. Women have like little short things on and they've got bells on their ankles and they're going like this and bad Bible music's playing, you know. And Edward G. Robinson and they take all their earrings and and rings and jewelry and they melt it down and make the golden calf, right? It's that chapter of the Bible. And Edward G. Robinson goes, so Moses, where's your God now, eh? And you're like, did little Caesar just put a hit out on Moses? 
Is this the end of Little Caesar? It's fucking Edward G. Uh, it has a great cast. Vincent Price is a slave driver in it. Then get down on your knees, Jew. Mm. It's, it really is. I'm making it sound better than it is. Parts of it drag. Watch it on tape and, or whatever we watch it on now. Watch it on Netflix and, and fast forward through those parts. It's a fun Bible movie. Not as fun as the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments is Bible adjacent. I mean, uh, Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur's Bible adjacent. Ben-Hur is a story of the Christ, meaning nothing is true, so have fun. And it's got lepers. And when aren't lepers good movie? There's always that scene, right, where they come in with the torch and they haven't opened the prison door in 25 years and they, oh, they push it open and then they put the torch and he goes, oh, lepers! <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Ten Commandments. It will, the Ten Commandments is probably as true as the Bible. Uh, Boz gave me this book over here. It's called Boz, right? Bob. Uh, you mind if I call you Boz? Babies in the running around, hanging with the crowd. Putting your business in the street, talking out loud. Got to have a Jones for this, Jones for that. This living with the Joneses, boy, it just ain't where it's at. You better turn that chick around. To the sad, sad truth and the dirty love down. Ooh. I wonder, wonder, wonder. Taught her how to talk like that. Fucking Boz was cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a book called American Grotesque, The Life and Art of William Mortensen, who's uh, on the front here it says, um, for us, Mortensen was the Antichrist, Ansel Adams. One of the greatest photographers and teachers of photography in the world, popular photography. As you can see here on the cover, uh, it's a girl being savaged by a gorilla. It's called American Grotesque, you guys. Hey, when B women were eating men's hearts out and shit, I didn't see any protesting there. This photographer's long dead. What's a gorilla got to do to get some love? Joking, of course. Uh, I've marked a page here because uh, it's pretty hot. Um, I, I have a Greg Poops Film Club, and on the Greg Poops Film Club, you can watch a movie called uh, The Big Sleep. And The Big Sleep is uh, written by Raymond Chandler and uh, rewritten by Faulkner and uh, shot by Howard Hawks in 1945. Came out in 46. It's Bogey and Bacall. And it's a great movie. And in the movie, uh, there's two sisters. One is Lauren Bacall, and one is Martha Vickers, the other actress. And Martha Vickers plays a nymphomaniac heroin addict in it. It's a 40s movie, yeah. <laughs> It's a 40s movie. She shoots pornography and she takes heroin and it's great. And uh, so Bogey, uh, the, she comes up to him. Martha Vickers comes up to Bogey in the house. He, he's summoned to this rich house and he's just a cheap two-bit gumshoe, right? He's got the little hat on and a cat chain. A cat chain off his belt, right? And the cigarette and whatnot and he's sweating and he walks into the house and, and uh, she comes up and she goes, you're cute, right? And then uh, uh, the, General Sternwood goes, did you meet my daughter? And he goes, yeah, she tried to sit on my lap while I was standing up. In the book, she shows up at uh, Marlowe's office and, I mean, yeah, and uh, gets in bed with him and he has to chuck her out of bed. She's a complete nymphomaniac. And in the movie, she is too. And it's a beautiful actress named Martha Vickers. And there is a very tasteful nude portrait of Martha Vickers uh, from 19. Yeah, someone just wolf whistled. 1940. Uh, really fantastic stuff. Thank you for this very much. It's a lovely book. Bless you. Uh, oh my God. Looks like there's a professional fraternities. It looks like uh, necromancers or uh, what do they call people? Alchemists. Looks like a weird alchemy going on there. Uh, there's lots of, ooh, yeah. 
There's lots of fucking ghoulish type uh, dudes wearing scary hats and shit. A Tibetan priest, also tilted tantric sorcerer. Um, by the way, I've been thi- try- I have a new album coming out in, in summertime, and I don't have a name for it, but I think tantric sorcerer. Hello, Proop Kittens. It's me, the Proop Dog, inviting you to buy my new book, The Smartest Book in the World. It comes out May 5th, but you can pre-order it if you like at gregproops.com or smartestbookintheworld.com. It's got vodka, drugs, feminism, and how to steal fine art. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Bob. Oh, Bob also gave me this. Uh, He said he thinks we're in the same building at the same time. This is a a pin from the 1984 All-Star Game that took place at Candlestick Park, which has now been destroyed in San Francisco. And they used to give these out. Candlestick Park was such a dump. At night, about, not at night, about 2.30 in the afternoon, the wind would start whipping up, and there'd be dirt everywhere. I've told these stories a million times. And then if you went to a night game, if you went with someone who wasn't from the Bay Area, they'd go in like a T-shirt and flip-flops and shit. And then the game would start at 7. And then at 7.45, a layer of ice would descend over the stadium. <laughs> like a horrible horror movie, like a John Carpenter film. Like the fog. The fog would come in and the temperature would drop 72 degrees. And you would literally be just shivering. And so you, you wore a down, a down jacket. You wore a down jacket and a fucking hoodie and a hat and gloves and a scarf. And you would order these terrible hot chocolates from the concessionaires. And we would mix them with coffee, which we called a candlestick latte. And uh, you could smoke dope in the stadium then, too. It was great. Uh, it was completely lawless. Uh, bless you. In any case... If the, if the game went extra innings and the Giants won, you received a medal called the Quad de Candlestick. And it was covered with icicles. And it was that meant that you survived a night at the fucking ballpark. They knew how shitty the ballpark was, and they gave out buttons for it. And this is the, on, this is the honorary Quad de Candlestick for the 84 All-Star game, which I was at and was a tremendous game. Uh, Steve Cottle struck out three in a row. Um, Fernando Valenzuela and Dwight Gooden struck out six in a row for the National League. Daryl Strawberry was in that game. Uh, Dale Murphy hit a tater. Tim Raines made an insane catch that no one talks about anymore. It was a very good game. Really, you can remember all that, Greg? I was high, but I do remember. I also remember parking in the shadiest fucking neighborhood of all time. I mean, Shady, with a capital D. And we get out of the car, and these hoodies walk up to us and go, we'll watch your car for you. I was with my friend Phil and I'm like, I forgot something in the car. Let's get back in. (laughs) Then we went and parked in the lot. Because I just didn't want to come out to fucking, just, you know, no tires and, you know, loser painted on the side. Thank you for that, Bob. Thank you for this. Ah, one more here. Let's see. uh, uh, A comic book. Who gave me the Sex Criminals book here? Who what? What's your name? Ethan. Ethan, Ethan. Sex Criminals, it's called. Girl meets boy, girl hooks up with boy, and for the first time in their lives, they find themselves alone together. So they do what any new young couple having sex in freezing time might do. They rob banks. (laughs) Susie has a secret. For her, sex literally makes the world come to a standstill. John has a problem. He hates his life, his job, and the special curse that makes him just like Susie. Somebody say... See where we landed, whether it's a crime or a sex scene. Oh my God, they're on top of each other. Uh, right. Uh, she shoves. I pushed, and then is it? I love you. This is just the worst place in the world, and you're here all by yourself. Except for me, I'm here, and it's awful. So that 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 was that. We were fucking. 
But the second time you... Nope. Aw, oh, baby. Yeah, the second time was just as anticlimactic. Wow. Wow. I'm thinking about your library and books and stuff, right? And I'm thinking about you and me and cum world. Thank you for that, Ethan. I didn't really expect to say that word tonight. Or any night of my existence, but there you are. Something new happens every night at the ball yard. Thank you. Uh, also, my very good buddy uh, uh, has given me... Nick has given me another coupon to my brother's bar where I went last time. Uh, one of the superb bars here in Denver. Uh, it's located near the Gracious Condominium District. <laughs> it's one of the true uh, beat bars here in Denver. And thank you very much for all your largesse. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this time and last time. I've also received several bottles of vodka here and a bag of baseball peanuts. Uh, let's see. These are local vodkas. Uh, who gave me this one? This is uh, Bear- Bradley, was it? Dave. Dave. Woody Creek. <laughs> Woody Creek, Colorado, and this one is from, who was this one? Oh, Randy, again, you. Vodka is from a new distillery in Golden, opened by some people I know. It's called Van Jack. Enjoy. P.S. I went to buy this, but when they heard it was for you, they comped it. Thank you for that, man. Thank you for uh, not buying that for me. <laughs> Free things are so much better. Thank you, people of the, of the Van Jack Vodka. Who was it who gave it to you? Uh, uh, was it out there at the store? Well, thank you, Van Jack Distillery. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, <laughs> we have... Mm, we have room... We have room, uh, Van Jocks, if you want to get with me. Uh, Fanmail for Greg at gmail.com. We're going to start the show. We're going to start the show super... There's no time now. There's no time for the show. No, the show's happening as we speak. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, No, I'm not going to look at my phone all night. I'm just finding something here. It's Earth Day today. And uh, Earth Day is the... um, Yeah. Earth Day was started when I was a little kid. Really? That long ago? Yeah, the world was in black and white then, you assholes. <laughs> Star Trek had just gone off the air. Uh, Earth Day was Senator... This is from my wife, Jennifer. Gaylord Nelson's idea. After seeing the Santa Barbara oil spill, he was from Wisconsin but had visited the devastation. The first one was April 22, 1970, and it was a national event with 20 million Americans showing their support. It was so successful... It led to the formation of the Environmental Protection Agency and the passage of the Clean Air, Clean Water, and Endangered Species Acts. If you wish to see more, you can read at earthday.org. Those are all important things. 
It was during the Nixon administration, but Nixon still had the foresight to start the Environmental Protection Agency, something that the Bush administration went out of their way to try to dismantle, along with the Clean Water and Clean Air Act, under the guise of um, industry can't be trammeled by putting these horrible, horrible uh, specifications and by not letting them pour open poison into every waterway and fucking airway in the country. You're taking away their profit incentive, and they're going to take their jobs away. And if rich white people don't get to have their fucking money, they're going to leave and me, 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 me. Um, the lie about all of it is uh, the corporations will make money one way or another. And the first thing they did, if any screws were put to them, was take their shit overseas and outsource everything. So I have no sympathy for any oil company, insurance company, anyone who's fracking, uh, all the giant companies that do mining and drilling and shit like that. Um, they should have to mind a couple of laws, don't you think, so that the world could last a couple days fucking longer? Uh, there is such a thing as global warming for the people who don't believe in it. it it's not the, – the problem is, as I said a couple of episodes ago, it's called global warming, and that's a complete misnomer. And that's where the idiots get on the bus and go, if it's warming, how come it's snowing so much? Like, you, no, never mind. <laughs> I don't have time to explain the patterns of weather to you and shit like that. I do believe that the earth could shake us off like fucking dog, uh, fleas off a dog. Um, at any point, if earth didn't want us to exist anymore, it would just set off a bunch of volcanoes and we'd be gone in a couple months' time. So we don't really have ultimate control uh, over the, uh, what's going on here, but we do have some control. And pouring poison into the sea and pouring oil uh, all over everything and then never, ever, ever, ever bringing the companies that do this to task uh, is, I think, one of the great inequities of, of our time. In any case, uh, Earth Day is today. I remember celebrating the first one. I was in fifth grade. And uh, we all had to draw little pictures and shed, and a lot of people drew Earth. <laughs> and there was a lot of talk. We called it in those days. They don't call it that much anymore. Environmentalism. Uh, and we were environmentalists. That means that we didn't believe in pollution. That means that we picked up uh, litter. Litter was a very big issue in those days. It was Lady Bird Johnson who was... Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson's wife, who started uh, the campaign to keep America beautiful. Uh, at that point, there were no garbage cans on street corners in America. People just threw shit fucking everywhere. And I'm not kidding, man. And uh, it, that started to be an issue. And then now, of course, we've, re we've become completely anal and obsessive. And you go over to the garbage cans and there's seven of them. And you're like, fuck. This, this cup still has some coke in it. Does it go in the trash one or the recycling one? Oh my God, I'm trying to be responsible and save the earth. I like going to hotels in like Vegas where there's running water everywhere and 24-hour lights going and unbelievable abuse of the environment. And in the towel rack, it'll say, we're trying to go green. <laughs> if you use a prostitute, be sure to reuse them. And is you okay? Uh, let's see here. Jennifer sent me this one. This, a lot of people sent me this one today, by the way. But I'm gonna. Jennifer got to me first, so uh, because we were sitting next to each other, and I was trying to sit on her lap while she was standing up. She's like, "Could I have coffee, please?" Uh, this is from the Telegraph UK. 
And this is the best headline you'll hear tonight. That was supposed to be funny. I could have oversold it and said, it's the best headline you'll hear all fucking year, man. But how do I know in two weeks' time there's not going to be a hilarious, like, bear walks into 7-Eleven headline in Denver or whatever. Traffic chaos on the M74 as dog dog takes control of tractor. The M74 is a motorway in Scotland. We don't call them freeways in Scotland. We call them motorways. If you remember the song by Tom Robinson, right? And it's two, four, six, eight, motorway. Just me and my radio chugging on through the night. And three, five, seven, nine, little white line. Motorway sun coming up in the morning light. Um, They let him play that record forever. It was a big hit in England. Um, He says little white lines. It never got censored. No one ever fucking went little white lines. Little white lines. I was listening to a song today uh, by Steely Dan, and I have the right to listen to Steely Dan. I am a a white middle-aged man who went to high school in the 70s. You don't have to think they're cool because they're not fucking cool. They're 65-year-old perverts, and, uh, but they're jazz aficionados. And I was listening to a song called Showbiz Kids, right? Uh, which is, hey, can you find Showbiz Kids on there? Jimmy or Johnny? Hello? Anyone still working on the show? You have to go back out to the main menu under artists, Steely Dan. Under Steely Dan, Showbiz Kids. Steely Dan. <laughs> I'm sure they just played here. They're on tour. They're coming in July. They're coming in July. Well, there you are. Oh, to Red Rock, see? I'm going. Right on. That was an older, emphatic voice. Like mine. I'm going. I've been, and I loved it, man. I went and saw them in England like 20 years ago when they first started touring again. And I remember walking into the place and it was 30,000 people in sweaters. And Steely Dan, you know, their songs are kind of a gentle groove. Let's put it that way. Like, any luck? Steely Dan. Go back to the menu. iTunes, just the regular fucking menu. Artists, artists. Go to S. S-T-E-E-L-Y-D-A-N. Which song? It's the name of a dildo from a William Burroughs novel. It was 30,000 people in this... No? You really can't find Steely Dan on the iPod? We found Steely Dan, but we can't find the song. Showbiz Kids. There's a, a, a compilation on there called Citizen Dan. It has, I don't know, four fucking dozen songs on it. You guys live today, right? Like in the, you know, in the world of smartphones and fucking all that shit every second of the fucking day. I have a brand new... Thank you, buddies. Here, turn that up. You can't dance to Steely Dan, but you can do this.
take that down a little bit. In the, in the, uh, at the end of the song, leave it up a little, a little, a little. There we go. Uh, at the end of the song, he goes, show business kids making movies of themselves. You know they don't give a fuck about anybody else. You know you. That song played on the radio when I was little. No one ever bleeped. They don't give a fuck about anybody else. I guess no one ever bothered to fucking listen to the words to any Steely Dan song. And at the uh, who, who Are You by The Who, at the very end of the song, Roger Daltrey goes, Who the fuck are you? And I've never heard it bleeped once on the radio. How did those two songs get away with saying fuck a million fucking times? When they would bleep other songs, you know, they don't let you say anything. Here, find another Steely Dan song on there. Turn that one down. Turn that one down and play Josie. Josie. These guys are young back there. They probably don't know who Steely Dan is. They're like, Grandpa, I don't like big band music. (laughs) Josie. It might be on Unknown Album. I don't know. I put it in poorly. I'm shitty at downloading. So I went to see Steely Dan, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and uh, down in Los Angeles. And uh, Michael McDonald opened, right? Which is fantastic, right? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You don't know me. Hold off on that one for a second. I'll finish this anecdote. Then I'll cue you to play the next one. So I goes, and uh, it was at some outdoor amphitheater, and Michael McDonald played, right? And, like, he's got the silver hair now and shit. And, of course, he did all his jams, right? He did, shine, sweet freedom, shine and love, we'll keep the spirit alive all night long. Right? And then he did, uh, you don't know me, but I'm your brother. 30 black people ushered onto the stage. Gospel chorus. So it goes, you telling me the things you're gonna do for me I am blind and I don't like what I think I see and then a million gospel singers taking it to the streets it was like hey this version's better that's what it was missing a gospel choir could I have another uh, glass of ice maybe or, oh you're busy getting checks alright thank you my darling yeah cause I have my own <laughs> So, so Michael McDonald finishes, and then I go in a corner and I huff to bone. But then uh, I come back out, and Steely Dan comes on, and the whole crowd is my age and older. My age and older. There's like maybe four confused 30-year-olds there. <laughs> M- maybe they're an old man's date. You know what I mean? Like, it's a- the crowd actually turns into a Steely Dan song. You're, you're dating someone underage, because almost all their songs are about dating underage girls. And uh, uh, I remember when I went to the one in England, my friend comes back, he went to get a beer, and he comes back to the seat, and he goes, I just saw my ex-wife. And I said, how fucking Steely Dan is that? (laughs) He's like, I didn't even know she was going to be here. I'm like, that's what Steely Dan's all about. (laughs) And then I wrote a little song. I met her at the Dan show. Thank you, my precious love. Thank you so very much. I'll just pour this myself, shall I? And... um, (laughs) Donald Fagan comes on the whole crowd's old he's old and he goes hiya kids that made me laugh uh, 
They're very good in concert. Donald's voice is kind of a hasp. Have you seen them lately? In the last few years? No. Person who's going? <laughs> he can still sing, but it's a little more like, you know, it, the, the, the high notes aren't there, but that's where there's girls. They, yeah, 10 years. Well, they just played Coachella, which is uh, Coachella is a, a giant festival that they have in the desert outside of L.A. So that um, should you want to run into a douchebag, they've all been located. They've all been transported to one area. If, if you want to know how cool Coachella is, go through the celebrity list of celebrities at Coachella. After the fifth Jenner, you're going to be like, okay. I get the idea. There was a picture of Paris and Nikki Hilton, Kylie Jenner, Kendall Jenner, everyone named Jenner that was ever named fucking Jenner. Uh, people from TV shows that aren't on anymore. People from like One Tree Hill and shit or whatever. I remember two years ago looking at the picture and there was David Hasselhoff in ripped jeans. And he wasn't performing. He was there to take in the fucking, you know, concerts. So they had Steely Dan this year, and Steely Dan wrote a column about it, Donald Fagan. They go, we're doing Coachella this year, and we're on the same bill as ACDC. And this is what I love about Steely Dan. He wrote, I, I, I've heard of them, but I don't actually know who they are. <laughs> what kind of fucking cocaine, jazz rock bubble are you living in? That you don't fucking know who ACDC is, man. Everybody knows who fucking ACDC is. They might have sold more records than any group ever in the history. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. She was the best damn woman that I've ever seen. Just out of side to side. Telling me no lies. Knocking me out with those American fives. Take a lion's share. I mean, nothing rocks harder than fucking ACDC. Nothing fucking rocks. Except for Josie. Now we're going to play Steely Dan after that? Uh, maybe not. Uh, traffic chaos as dog takes control of tractor. Don the Collie leaps on mini tractor as farmer tends to lamb in South Lanarkshire field before leaning on controls a vehicle that plows across motorway carriageway. A carriageway simply means a street. In England, cars are still carriages. And if it's a two-lane two road that goes two ways with one crappy stripe down the middle, that's a dual carriageway. Now, I, when you get in a taxi, there's an emblem in the taxi that says, made by such and such hackney carriage makers. Because that's how long they've been making vehicles. Don't fucking ask. I don't know. I don't know why, but they do. Uh, anyone who has traveled on a rush hour motorway will be no stranger to a traffic jam. But motorists on the M74 may be surprised to learn the cause of their latest tailback. A tailback is a traffic jam. A runaway tractor driven by a sheepdog. Tom Hamilton, 77. I don't know why it's significant that the farmer is 77. Tended to a lamb in a field next to the motorway. The overkeen collie leaned on the controls of the tractor and coaxed it into action. Come on, come on. You can see the collie trying to start it. Come on, turn over, turn over, goddammit. Turn over, come on, goddammit, come on. 
He's not going to be long with that lamb. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Go, 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 go. Oh, it's a Scottish collie. Fucking down in the hole out of your bastard. Go, 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 go. Oh, me fucking, I'm about to book over here. Jesus fucking Christ, give us a toy break. The vehicle, left standing without its brake on, is said. I thought this was news, not rumors. Is said to have shot out of the field, crashing through the fence and plowing across one carriageway. The sheepdog's adventures eventually came to a halt when the tractor crashed into the central reservation. That's the, the median. Isn't it sexier to call it the central reservation? Hello, central reservation. Yeah, I'd like to make a reservation, please. Would you like to be in the middle of the road? And was forced to stop in its tracks miraculously. Don't imbue miracles. This is just a fun story about a collie driving a tractor. It's not a miracle, it's not supernatural. Or is it? If a collie can coax a tractor into starting, miraculously, drivers managed to avoid the runaway vehicle, and Don survived his perilous journey. Don's the dog. Police who had been called to the scene by worried motorists were relieved to find the four-and-a-half-year-old dog safe and well. Not as relieved as they were to not fucking run into the tractor the dog was driving. I don't care how cool you are. If you're driving down a motorway and a tractor comes out into the road with a dog driving, you're going to have a moment. Remember, we're in the UK. Honey, do you see that? That's where the passenger sits. If we're in America, I would have turned this way. We're in Scotland, I'm turning this way. Do you fucking see what I think I fucking see? Is that a wee dog driving that tractor? Knowing Scotland, the dog was drinking a fucking IPA. Great Scottish group. Actually, ACDC's from Scotland as well. They moved to Australia. So it's Colin, uh, Colin Hay uh, from Minute Work. He's from Scotland as well, but he moved to Australia as well. Lots of Scottish people ghettoized in Australia in those days. They were. Uh, poli- uh, they cleared the motorway near Abington in South Lanarkshire within half an hour and with Don reunited at his nearby farm. Mr. Hamilton has run the sheep farm for 52 years, said... I was out in the mini tractor and stepped out of it to get a lamb, which looked like it was about to get out of the gate. <laughs> I had met with the brake on the tractor, and when I turned around, I got a fright, and the vehicle was careering down the hill. <laughs> Through a gate, and I know that answer my foot. <laughs> you may have noticed, they don't say careening, they say careering. We careen, they career. When your car's going like this, you're careening. In England, you'd be careering. And no, it doesn't do anything for your job. <laughs> he added, that was fine. 
and Jenny bark during the incident. <laughs> There's one thing I respect, it's a quiet motoring dog. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, I bet that dog laid on the fucking horn. <laughs> Might not have barked, but it fucking <laughs> The public were alerted to the unusual scene by Traffic Scotland, who tweeted to say there was a road traffic incident, quote, due to dog taking control of tractor. <laughs> nope, not joking, it added. Farmer and police had seen vehicle in central res. Uh, they later declared the weirdest thing we have ever reported. The dog accidentally leaned on the controls and the vehicle made its way out in the field. A spokeswoman for Police Scotland added, at around 8.15 a.m., a farm vehicle crashed through a fence in a field and made its way onto the M74 at Junction 13. Nobody is believed to have been injured. The incident inspired a, flog of, a flood of dog-related puns on Twitter. Well, stand by for these. <laughs> when a collie takes control of a tractor in Scotland... Now remember, people in the UK have a rare sense of humor. Not a better one than the United States. But like, for instance, when George Michael, who's often incarcerated, <laughs> on one of his incarcerations several years ago, I can't remember if it was the one where he drove the car into the camera shop. That was a goodie. Because he drove a car into a snappy photos, right? And where the car hit the building, there was a giant hole. And the next morning, wham, was written over it. <laughs> So, George Michael goes to jail, right? They put him in the lockup, or as they call it in England, the nick, right? They put him in the nick, and as he walks through the fucking cells to go to his cell, the prisoners, freedom, hold on to my freedom, hold on to my freedom, you gotta give it to what you say, right? They fucking started singing freedom. That's how funny they can be. Let's just see if the dog-related puns stand up to the George Michael test. <laughs> Professor Paul Carney joked, you know, when you start a sentence with joke, there better be a joke in it. Here it goes. The Scottish parties may as well take the day off now that a dog has driven a tractor onto the M74. Well, I don't know if it's much of a joke is kind of a quip. <laughs> you see, they tried to have devolution last year in Scotland and break off and be a separate country from the rest of England. Scotland was going to be their own independent nation. They call that devolution. And so they would have been like uh, Denmark or Norway or whatever, a small 7 million people nation attached to a gianter nation uh, with 50 million people in it. But it didn't fucking happen. And so that was the Scottish party's joke. <laughs> uh, Sarah, Sarah Duggars tweeted, tailbacks on the M7, we know what tailbacks are now, on the M74 in Scotland this morning due to a dog taking control of a tractor. Magical. It's better if it's in Scottish. Tailbox on the M74 in Scotland this morning due to a dog taking control of a tractor. Magical! <laughs> I can kind of understand people in Edinburgh, kind of. When I go to Glasgow, because this is what people in Glasgow, they substitute um, use for eyes, right? Like, you, you follow me? Like we would say fish and chips because there's an eye in fish and an eye in chips. Fashion chops! 
<laughs> so finish the show in Glasgow, walk out, people come up, Greg, 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 saw your show, magic! Brian, magic! Everything's magic in Scotland. Everything in Boston is wicked pisser. And, and everything in San Francisco is hella. And everything in Scotland is majok. Michelle Muirhead asked, Will the dog have points on his license? <laughs> was he breathalyzed? If he was, I'm sure it smelled like toilet and shit. <laughs> the show's going to start now. Denver TSA officers fired for purposely groping good-looking passengers. This is from Denver CBS4. It happened roughly a dozen times. The TSA learned of the accusation on November 18, 2014, via an anonymous tip from one of the agency's own employees. On Feb 9, TSA security supervisor Chris Higgins watched the screening area, observing the employees. At about 0925, he observed the male TSA screener appear to give a signal to another screener, the second female screener, was responsible for the touchscreen system that controls whether or not the scanning machine alerts to gender-specific anomalies, according to law enforcement report. According to the report, the TSA investigator watched a male passenger enter the scanner and observed the female TSA agent press the screening button for a female. The scanner alerted to an anomaly, and Higgins observed the male TSA screener conduct a pat-down of the passenger's front groin and buttocks area with the palm of his hands, which is... Someone just whistled. (laughs) So there was a signal when a good-looking guy came through. The guy would go like... (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever been to Denver Airport, there's two things you need to know. Uh, There's a shitty burrito place, and... A faux French place that's unspeakable. I don't know what the fuck that place is. And it's called, like, Le Bon France or something. I don't know fuck it. That one's weak. There's birds inside the Denver airport. The Denver airport is in the shape of a gigantic white person's idea of what a wigwam is. And for no good reason that I can determine, it's located 20 miles away from Denver. So you drive for 20 miles into the middle of fuck nothing. You pass, for, you pass a few little towns, and then there's a weird gas station, and then there's fuck nothing. Then there's a statue of a horse in the middle of nowhere. Then, what is it? What is it? Oh, the demon horse, yes. They say that he haunts this prairie. What was it? If you all say it at once, I can't understand it. Will you elect a fucking audience member to tell me what this is? Yes, you've raised your hand over here, young man. Oh. Oh, Blucifer. It's a giant blue rearing up stallion. And evidently it fell on the artist and killed him. And that's why it's the demon horse. Demon? Or is it time that art took back the night? You don't know that the Venus de Milo's arms didn't fall off on that fucking sculptor's head. You weren't there. She might be the demon Venus. Uh, Yeah, the demon horse. That's good to know. I never knew that. So it's in the shape of this weird wigwam, and birds get inside, and then they just fly around. No one ever lets them out or deals with it. 
No one ever deals with it, or that's not. So that's why you can get away with a bird single with a, a guy with a giant package comes through, and you want to grope him, and you're a TSA agent, you can go, because the people will just be like, oh, it's just like one of the fucking many birds that's trapped in this airport, in between the McDonald's and that unbelievable bead place. Then there's Peaks, a place to overpay for magazines. Why isn't there a dispenser at the airport? Because you're not supposed to travel with dope across state lines, Greg. Yeah, but why isn't there like a little huffing room? Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, Higgins later interviewed a female TSA agent who was an accomplice of the groping conspiracy. She admitted she's done this for the male TSA officer 10 times. The TSA said the male passenger was fondled on flying Southwest and the agency has a videotape. Earlier this month, the prosecutor from the Denver District Attorney's Office was asked to review the case. Um, and what happened, uh, there, th- this is of course a huge issue, as well as the hilarity of uh, groping people. Um, uh, let's get back to the issue at hand, which is this. The TSA um, has uh, way more power than they ought to have. Uh, and my understanding is uh, many infractions every year, people get any kind of thing through. And secondly, we're not um, checking the people that we ought to be checking. We as passengers are not a clear and present danger to this country. And the fact that they can pull this kind of shit and that many TSA agents have been stealing stuff. I'm not impugning every TSA agent. I'm sure there are a lot of honest, hard, diligent, working ones out there. But the fact that they're pulling this shit, doesn't that hip you to the thing that this is a completely wrong system and that we're going about this bass backwards in a completely theatrical, stupid, reactionary, idiotic way? If you want to decrease terrorism, educate everyone and give them food and health care. That will decrease terrorism more than anything you could possibly fucking imagine. <laughs> Letting TSA agents pat people down, uh, they, they don't actually know. I mean, uh, go to a TSA agent and ask him if they know what the precepts of Islam are. I mean, isn't that what we're so frightened of? Aren't we afraid that Islamic agents at the behest of their dark overlords are going to come and fuck us up on our planes and shit? Isn't that why we're running through this whole theatrical charade of taking our shoes off and our belts off? And any person who's black or of color in here knows what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, White people weren't ready for this. We were not ready to be treated like we were fucking underclass people. We've been used to swanning wherever we wanted to fucking go and doing whatever we wanted. All of a sudden, let me see your ID again. Take your fucking shoes off. What's your name? Where do you go? Right? Any black person knows that that's how they're treated all the fucking time by authorities. But all white people were like, fuck, this is fucked. (laughs) Isn't the time done? It's been a long time. You know what I mean? Um, If there's a line and there's TSA pre, and every once in a while, some of you have probably been selected for it. I know I have. You don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to take your computer out of the bag. You don't have to do anything. It's like going through security in the 70s. There's not even one of those weird George Orwell machines where you have to make the submissive pose to the government and have your genitals x-rayed and your children's genitals x-rayed and your wife's genitals x-rayed. And I'm very serious about this. It's an egregious unbelievable brooch of the Fourth Amendment. It's a terrible violation of all of our constitutional rights to have to be shook down like this at the airport. And don't go, well, I want to be safe. If you think at any point the United States government has your safety in mind, you're the most naive person that ever walked the face of the fucking earth. (laughs) 
What would be more important is if they checked the planes all the time for maintenance and made sure that the airline workers weren't stretched to the very limit of their being by having to work long shifts and that the pilots got proper breaks and food and shit like that and that you didn't see them in line with you at the fucking Burger King. I want every pilot to have a salad and a bowl of soup and a fucking sandwich before they get on the plane. Don't eat the same shitty food I'm eating. Why isn't there a special cafeteria for all the airline crews where they can get a fucking roast beef fucking sandwich or whatever? <laughs> Maintenance and treating employees like human beings is what would decrease any kind of danger on planes. There is no danger on planes at all. The danger is eating the prepackaged food that comes in the $10 <laughs> cardboard box and then you rip the fucking cheese thing open and you're like, this is disgusting. I might as well have eaten the fucking box. Why airlines are allowed to charge for baggage, charge you for overage, charge you for food? They didn't do that. A 30, 25 years ago, they didn't do that. They didn't do it before 9-11. When I was little, you got breakfast, hot breakfast on a plate with silverware, even in economy on a one-hour flight, everywhere you fucking went. And then they stopped doing it. But why did they stop doing it, Greg? The cost got to the cost and the cost and the cost. And how much do you think that the chairmans and the boards of the airlines make? Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly how much they make. Um, There's plenty of money to let you not pay for your luggage. There's plenty of money for there to be roads everywhere. There's plenty of money for there to be health care for every individual in this country. The rich do not want to relinquish that money. That is why there is not money for it. It is that simple. By the way, we started the boring preachy part an hour and ten minutes ago. Well, I was going to talk about Gwyneth, but we're going to skip over that. Now, the show has to end really super soon. All right, very briefly. My wife said, you know, every time you talk about her, you're just showing more attention on her. It's not not so much uh, that I dislike Gwyneth. I just... (laughs) You all know what happened last week. Mario Batali, the famous chef, uh, in New York, who runs a restaurant there called Babo, uh, which is decent. I don't know if it's as... It's pretty high. I don't know. It was good. I thought the steak was a little rare, but that's how they cook it in Italy. Um, in any case, uh, he had a challenge, and the challenge was this. Can you live like a person who's on government assistance can live? It's called the SNAP program, the SNAP, right? And this is what we're talking about is food stamps. Now, I've been poor enough in my life to use food stamps, and I'm sure many of you in this room have uh, lived in a... a, a in a way that wasn't uh, as comfortable as you like. For instance, you didn't know from day to day how you were going to fucking eat. And this happens to a lot of people in this country. Or maybe where you were living, you were, you were crashing on someone's couch and you just kept doing that over and over again. Or maybe you've lost your job and you were two paychecks, as many of us are, two or three paychecks away from complete fucking disaster, right? Which is why Obamacare has been such a godsend in so many ways. And the fact that they want to revoke it all the time is a scandal. Uh, now, here's what I'm getting at. Uh, Gwyneth is from a nice family. Uh, Her mother was an actress. Her dad was a director. And I don't think she ever went through a period where she woke up in the morning, and as I've so often said on the show, uh, repeating a joke by Susan Healy from San Francisco in the 80s, which was one of the great jokes. She wake up in the morning. She said, my first thought when I wake up in the morning is I look around my room and go, what can I sell? (laughs) When I was dead, dead, dead fucking broke, I was handing out flyers on Market Street. And this isn't supposed to be a sad, sob story or whatever. I'm not giving you the fucking Hillary Swank I lived in a car before I won the Oscar story. (laughs) 
I handed out flyers on, uh, on the street in San Francisco outside the BART station, and I probably got, I don't know what it was in those days, like $3 an hour, whatever the fuck it was. It was like $20 a day or something. And they gave you the check at the end of the week, which was fucking horrible. And I remember about noon would come around, and I'd think, should I go over to the GNC and buy a fucking tofu sandwich, or should I go to the liquor store and buy smokes? Because that's all I've fucking got money for, right? And so you know the deal. When you are at subsistence level, when you are struggling for day-to-day fucking survival, every dollar and every penny means a goddamn great deal. Um, I just don't think, in her experience, she's run into this in her own life. When her choices in the 90s were, should I osculate Brad Pitt's man bag, or should I let Ben Affleck enter me in a biblical way, I don't think you're facing these kind of choices. So they gave her $29, which a lot of people argued about whether that was how much money it is per week. And it is uh, slightly low, but it was a barometer in New York, da-da-da. The point is this. She was given $29, so she said, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to live for seven days on $29 worth of food. So she went to the market, and she bought seven limes and a sheaf of cilantro and a bag of beans and a carton of eggs. Yeah, a bag of tortillas. Already I've lost you, and I know why. (laughs) If I gave you $29 and said from right now on Wednesday till next Wednesday, that's all you have to eat on, what would be the first thing you'd fucking do? You'd go to the dollar store and you'd buy ramen. And then you'd buy a tin of beans for 89 cents or whatever, a tin of fucking binti more and shit. You'd go to the fucking 99 cent store and you'd go down the fucking aisle because for $29 at the 99 cent store, you can get 27 items. No one would buy cilantro or Italian parsley or sage or thyme or cumin or cardamom. None of you would buy a a, a thing of nutmeg and a grater. None of you would buy condiments or a lime. You can't eat a lime. A lime... A lime is seasoning. A lime is what you put in a beer when you're out. (laughs) This will just give you an idea of where she was coming from. I think her heart was in the right place. I think she meant to do the right thing. I think she went into it with every good intention. But it was like, as Harry Shearer said, Harry Shearer, the wonderful comedian, um, was shown by Jerry Lewis the movie The Day the Clown Cried. Jerry Lewis made a movie that was a lot like Roberto Benigni's movie, Life is Beautiful. He was a clown who led children to the gas chamber in a concentration camp. That's the plot of the movie. No one has seen this fucking movie. Because Jerry Lewis made it in Europe, and he shit-canned it immediately, and it never got released, and no one's fucking seen it. He thought he was making a movie that was this bravado, fucking uh, insightful look into man's inhumanity to man and what a clown can do and how important comedy is, blah, blah, blah. No one's seen it because, obviously, it's in the most awful taste of anything that could ever be. And it's probably not as funny as we think it might be. It's also early 70s, Jerry, so we're, you know. Anyway, Harry Shearer was invited to see the movie, and they asked him what it was like, and he said, it was like seeing a portrait of Jesus on black velvet in oil paint. The intention was there, but the execution did not live up to it. And I think that that's what Gwyneth did. She took her $29, she went to fucking Whole Foods or some overpriced bullshit and went, I need seven limes. Seven limes. What, one for each day? You weren't allowed to use your own money and you weren't allowed to use anything else. You only the $29. No one, so, 
Yeah, you would buy ramen and maybe a carton of eggs because then each day you can make a big fucking pot of ramen and fucking put the eggs in it. Or she bought a bag of beans. I understand that. A bag of beans, a bag of rice. You put that on the fucking stove. Maybe you throw something in it, whatever, tofu, whatever the fuck is not expensive. You're not going to put fucking steak or hamburger in it because now we're talking about $8 a pound, $7 a pound. You're not even going to buy a fucking half gallon of milk because that's what, four fifty. You know what I mean? That's fucking a lot out of the $29. You might buy a box of powdered milk if you had children, and then you could give them the powdered milk and shit. Um, so she dropped out after four days. <laughs> and went to a fancy restaurant in L.A. called Animal, where they serve almost only meat. <laughs> then she was found at a party with John Favreau at this red carpet thing, and she admitted it. She admitted on Goop, her site, that she dropped out. Uh, this is the part I wanted to read to you. It's from the site Goop. Now that cilantro is a food group. <laughs> After trying to th- complete the challenge, I would give myself a C minus. <laughs> That's quite a curve you're grading on there. <laughs> Let's be clear. The assignment was $29, seven days. You bailed after four days and went to a red carpet event with a man whose last movie was called Chef. That's not a C minus. That's an F for fail. You gave yourself a C minus because you you let yourself off the hook for everything. Uh, When you broke up with your husband, you called it conscious uncoupling instead of, fuck you! (laughs) If I ever see you in this fucking house again. (laughs) We've all broken up with people. None of us have ever called it conscious uncoupling because we're not pretend Buddhists. I would give myself a C minus. I'm just going to correct your grade because I'm a PA on this. I'm I'm a TA. I'm a teaching assistant on this. I'm going to give you an F. Straight up. Is there such a thing as an F minus? Okay. I am even more outraged, and this is where shit takes a fucking turn. I'm even more outraged there's still not equal pay in the workplace. Whoa! I see what you're doing. We call this a smokescreen. Like James Bond's Aston Martin. All of a sudden, there's fucking smoke and tax and shit on the road. I can't see where I'm going! The matter at hand was that you dropped out after four days on its food challenge, and now you're talking about equal pay for women, which, by the way, has never affected you because you're in the Iron Man franchise. And I'm sure whatever they're paying you is uh, munificent? Generous? How would one describe it? How would one describe movie star pay? Um reasonably fair if you're at her level. (laughs) Sorry to go on a tangent, but many hardworking mothers are being asked to do the impossible. Now, this part is absolutely real and true. However, coming for her, um, hardworking is the uh, word that I'd like to focus on here. (laughs) Going to Dubai and doing a perfume ad is not the same as raising a family. Hardworking, yeah. And I know I'm splitting hairs here, and I don't mean to be sexist about this, but uh, it just made me laugh. Uh, Feed their families on a budget which can only support food businesses that provide low-quality food. The food system in our beautiful country 
don't suck up to me. <laughs> Needs to be subjected to a heavy revision. Are you going to do it at the Goop website? Oh, no. But it needs to. It's a cyclical problem with repercussions that we all feel. Gwyneth, in my opinion, um, I never graduated college, but I've read a lot. Um, I get the feeling Gwyneth didn't go to college at all and has been to England and stuff. And you remember her quote when she moved to England. She said, people here are so smart, they talk about really intelligent things at dinner. Um, my guess is that she got into a dinner party and met some English people who know fuck everything, which is scary because you do. You meet them when you're in England. You meet people who have uh, like 17 degrees and know fuck all about fuck everything. And when you're from California and you're an actor, okay. Uh, she uses uh, words, in any case, this is the sentence I wanted you to read here. I'm not suggesting everyone eat organic food from some high horse in the sky. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> is she saying that she presumes when she tells us to eat organic food that she's on a high horse, but not, not only is it a high horse or even a demon horse, <laughs> but that she's not only on a high horse, it's a high horse in the sky. Those are higher than regular high horses because they live in the atmosphere. I'm saying everyone should be able to afford fresh, real food. Well, yes, everyone should, but we don't live in that world. We live in a world where the poor are fat and the rich are thin, which is exactly the opposite of how it was 100 years ago when the rich were fat and the poor were thin because they didn't fucking eat anything. Uh, and if a woman were paid an equal wage, families might have more of a choice in the grocery aisles, yes. Well, you're right about that, Gwyneth. Well done for at least taking the challenge, and well done for pointing out that... Um, uh, that there's an inequity between uh, the poor and the rich in this country. It's something that needs to be tackled every day. And even when a rich, privileged person does it, uh, it's delightful that she bothered to do it at all. So, um, <clears throat> I would like to know, though, how you ride a high horse in the sky. <laughs> We've missed out on a lot of people here tonight, and we're going to pick up their uh, people who are spinning in the universe, uh, Gunter Gross and Edward Galeno. But I don't have any more time, but I do have this. Um, Andy Frazier passed away this week and is swirling in the heavens. Who's Andy Frazier, I hear you ask? Well, uh, you rightfully, you ask. Thank you, buddy. He's the bass player from Free. Uh, now, you need to cue this up, Jamie, because we're going to play it or John uh, as, soon as, as soon as possible. Don't play it until I tell you. <laughs> Andy Frazier died at age 62 after suffering from cancer and AIDS, was best known for his songwriting and bass playing in the British blues rock band Free. Their 1970 song, All Right Now, which Fraser co-wrote with free singer Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers, of course, went on to be in Bad Company, right? And Bad Company had all those songs from the 70s and shit like, uh, 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 what was it? Yeah. Bad Company, and I can't deny Rebel souls, deserters, we are cold, right? Uh, Bad Company's a goodie, and then move, moving on, that's my favorite one. Uh, and then I Feel Like Making Love which has the least tender chorus of any <laughs> one out, bow, one out, bow, one out, bow. I feel like making... No, you don't. 
That is not love. I feel pressured. You're groping me all over, bad company. Uh, top the charts in 20 countries is given a music industry award for a million plays on radio. The song is a blessing and a curse, observed Frazier. It opened lots of doors. It still earns a fortune. 40 years later, people still want me to play All Right Now at gigs. With its nimble-fingered chordal bass solo, All Right Now became Frazier's most famous composition. He wrote lots of other songs, and he worked with lots of other bands. He was not in Bad Company, and brought him admiration from a generation of electric bass players. It also led to a remarkable commercial success for free, whose profile peaked in 1970. And you can go online and see the Isle of Wight live concert uh, by them. In any case, uh, that has been the show this evening. I want to thank you for being the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. For every page of you turns to you via Satchel Page, for every bell that rings for you via Cool Papa Bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're Gary U.S. bonds. This one's for Andy Frazier. Fucking crank that shit up. Good night, everybody. Thank you.